0: The Work in Sports podcast is brought to you by Munich Business School. You love sports and you want to use that enthusiasm professionally. We'll start your international career in sports business starting September 2021 at Munich Business School. The two-year international master's program in sports business and communication combines sports management and sports marketing in a very unique way benefit not only from small courses, top lecturers, and top partner universities, but above all else, from excursions and company visits, a real practical project and their mentoring program with company representatives. This is the type of program I love hands on, seeing and experiencing, breaking out of the traditional classroom environment. Check it out. The sports world is more global than ever, and getting international experience would be amazing for your career. Find out more at Munich Business School. DE Slash SBC. One more time Munich Business School. D E slash S B C. All right, let's start the countdown. Five, four, three, two,
1: one, zero, ignition, left off. Hey
0: everybody, I'm Brian clapp VP of Content and Engaged Learning at workinsports.com, and this is the Work and Sports Podcast. A few years back, I was watching a pretty bad movie with Bradley Cooper and Zoe Saldana called The Words. It was predictable, kind of boring, not quite the plot twist they thought it would be, but there was one moment in it that stuck out to me. You see, I'm that kind of guy that tries to find one piece of value in every moment. One thing you can learn, one thing that can change your perception, something. There's something of value out there in every moment. In this movie, Bradley Cooper is a writer. Won't get into all the details, but in one scene, he says to someone else, this is my reading day, meaning to be a good writer, he needs to read what else is out there. I heard that and I was like, man, dedicating some time to this idea of absorbing information is really important. So I kind of adopted that philosophy. I don't spend an entire day reading, but I do dedicate an hour of my workday day, to reading what is out there. Usually long form pieces related to the sports industry, data studies, content techniques. I like being a continuous learner and being open to knowledge. That's how I continue to grow. And you never know where you'll find incredibly important little nuggets of information. For example, I was reading this morning about how Yale is going to offer their most popular online course titled Psychology and the Good Life, which presents a scientific explanation of happiness to 500 low-income high school students for free feel good story right well the more you read the more interesting it gets near the bottom it says something very relevant to my ears the course this is from the article now the code, the course which was developed in partnership with the University of Connecticut and the National Education Equity Lab with support from the Arthur M Blank Foundation will present students with scientifically validated strategies for living a more satisfying life and examine what psychological science shows about how to be happier, how to feel less stressed and how to flourish more. Now that unexpected nugget doesn't me talking again. Now we're off the article support by the Arthur blank foundation, Arthur blank owner of the Atlanta Falcons making a difference in the lives of people. Maybe that changes my perception of a few billionaire owners. Maybe it changes yours. It's definitely a little nugget of information wrapped up in a story where I wasn't expecting it. Another unexpected nugget in the past few weeks was an extremely informative survey and data report put out by our friends at Prodigy Search. They are leaders in sports recruiting, and they published this great survey in the Sports Business Journal. Okay, so they conducted a 23-question survey comprised of chief people officers, human resources, and talent acquisition executives, COOs. Chief Administrative Officers at nearly 200 major league teams, league offices, agencies, venue, and event operators, with the goal of discovering their feelings about how their respective organizations had handled staffing during the past year and what some of the plans are for the future. In reading that survey, I just felt like there were a ton of unanswered questions, things I wanted to know, places I wanted to dig a little bit deeper. It was fascinating. I will link to it in the show notes of this episode. I suggest you go take a look at it personally, but it also inspired me to book today's guest, my friend, Mark Gress Jr., who is a partner at Prodigy Search. He's coming on today to discuss sports hiring trends in 2021 and really dig into some of these survey results. So here he is, Mark Gress Jr. Hey, Mark, what's happening? Brian, happy to be here. I'm excited to have you on. Like we've talked about this for a long time and it's funny. I don't always put a lot of friends on the show because I find that it can be kind of inside jokey a lot of times, but it's great to have you on because there's a great business conversation for us to have. And you know, we can kind of BS a little bit too. So I'm glad you're here. People Thanks do, for people, being
1: here. people do not want to see the emails that led up to scheduling today's podcast interview. That's, for sure. <laughs> That's
0: a really good point. So um, <laughs> before we get into the serious stuff, have you picked up any crazy habits or new tendencies during the coronavirus the the pandemic because i'll start i'll stall for you a little bit and give you mine I have realized, and I haven't had this conversation with anybody else as part of the podcast, but I'm, since I'm comfortable with you, um, during this whole quarantine time, I've learned that I'm really into baking. Like I have been baking a lot, which is really strange. The kids love it, but I find that to be an odd twist that I never expected. Is there anything that's strange that's happened with you during uh, this time? Uh,
1: so are we talk about like, are we talking about like baking like like fresh from scratch or like pulling out like a. Oh box? yeah! No
0: no no. There's oh, no Duncan okay. Hines here. Like I am fresh from scratch guy. I am so.
1: So if I can steal your baking answer, I'm going to steal your baking answer, but I'll give you a twist, is that my wife's a really good baker. She's fantastic. Um, my son prefers my chocolate chip cookies over hers, which really, <laughs> really grinds her gears. Uh, but the reason he, she does is that hers are made from scratch. Literally every part of the chocolate chip cookie that my wife makes from scratch. Uh, what I do is I get the pre-made Nestle. I scoop it onto a sheet pan, throw it in the oven, 350 for <laughs> You know, and, and your son it. loves it, <laughs> and it comes out. It's gooey and soft, and he
0: he loves every bit of it. So yeah, baking, but not quite. <laughs> <went away forever. laughs> oh, this is great. Okay, so there are so many topics I want to cover. You guys just at Prodigy Search just released a incredible research report from surveying over two hundred different executives, and we'll get into all the details of this the survey report. There's so much great information that comes out of there that. I think is completely relevant to our audience. But first, let's start with the personal side of things uh, and and you know the kind of post-COVID reality we're dealing with. So you are a partner at Prodigy Search, major recruiting firm for the sports industry. As a partner, you always have to be thinking about what could happen to your business. Like what how would we react if this happened, or what are we gonna do if that happens? I imagine you had no plan for a pandemic that would shut down the sports industry and you'd have a lesser demand for jobs. That kind of had to come out of left field. So looking back now, um, what did you and the team at Prodigy Search kind of experience over the last year? And what were some of your big takeaways?
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I talked with somebody the other day about, uh, and, and I'm not name dropping here, but Frank Zapovitz wrote the, uh, former NFL executive wrote the book, What to Do When Things Go Wrong. And it's rooted, at least part of the story in uh, the Super Bowl, where the lights went out in the Superdome in New Orleans. And, and um, you know, between the Ravens and Niners, I think it was. And, and uh, again the, the i think about that saying nobody thinks the lights are going to go out there in the super bowl but by the way when uh, you know 100 million people are watching it you need to be able to react and have a plan in place to to uh, to adjust to that and and i people try comparing the pandemic to the recession and, and they're hard to but i understand why they do that and there there are parallels but it's clearly not identical um I think every industry has been hit hard, but sports is just front and center, right? I, I, I joke with my wife who's a CPA and I said, no one talks about like a truly, I'm devastated that the accounting firm went under or that the accounting firm is struggling during a pandemic or recession. When sports and entertainment struggle, everybody pays attention. Social media talks about it. It's on, it's every headline. Um, and by the way, that also means there's no concerts. There's no family shows. So you're not going anywhere. They're not going to a theater, amphitheater during the summer. You're not taking your kids to a Christmas show uh, or to the, you know, to the monster truck I mean, everything stopped. And so... I think when we looked at it, it was, okay, everybody's losing revenue, uh, there's no games or, you know, and there's furloughs and layoffs, what do we do, right? How do we adjust? Um, many of our searches were postponed. I would say, uh, never canceled, uh, maybe one or two were canceled, but they were just kind of like, hey, let's hold off and see how this goes. We still need to hire this position, we still need to fill it. So. We did fill a few roles um, last year, but it was that fine line. We we didn't want to seem insensitive and not being able to read the room. So we see a uh, company X and maybe I can pick them to Madison Square Garden goes and lays off a few hundred people. And then we see a job post on work in sports or MadisonSquareGarden.com. We can't go to the garden and say, hey, by the way, can we help you fill that job? And we, we're going to charge you also an arm and leg to do it. You just We realize you just can't hundred people, right? So there's going to be a reading the room thing going on there. Um, we started looking in different areas for searches, to be honest with you. Sports nonprofits actually did well last year, or they did okay. They did better than okay. So some of them were rooted in the Olympics, um, US sailing, weightlifting, handball. Those were ones that we did that had a very much Olympic, Paralympic tie to it. Uh, Ones that, again, maybe a little more on the peripheral of that, um, the Association of Blind Athletes or Georgia State Soccer Association. So these are organizations that they're nonprofits. they don't rely on ticket sales. They don't rely on merchandise, parking, etc. Um, they're eventually going to have to deal with some financial you know, hardships in terms of donations and grants and fundraising. But by and large, they still need a CEO or an executive director. They still are going to hire a search firm to do it. So that was one pivot area. But then D&I. And I know we're, we're, we, we may dive into the D&I side later. Yeah. But- we did a couple of DNI searches for SeatGeek. We're in the middle of one right now for the Denver Broncos, and and it, some of it's more timely and apropos given given events, current events. But others were organizations just saying we still need to make this hire, pandemic and or not, we still need to hire some position here and there. It just is at a smaller quantity.
0: That's really good to hear, actually. And I think we're gonna ha- we're gonna get into that part of the conversation coming up because I think DNI is a really important topic that we just need to be talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. your survey had some really interesting data on that so we're going to get into that part of the conversation the other part that really jumps out to me is that in normal times and you and i have had this conversation many times before in normal times 50 percent of our job board is is comprised of sales jobs so there's just so many jobs in the sports industry comprising of revenue generating roles, right? And so we were at about February last year, we're at about 12,000, because I was literally doing these searches all the time. We're about 12,000 different jobs in the sports industry, connected to sales in some way, shape or form. And within a month or two we're down to the hundreds like everybody just stops hiring for sales roles let's spin this forward because i don't want to spend all of our time looking back do you think sales jobs have come back will come back or are things going to fundamentally change in the way staffing works in this in the sports industry
1: Yeah, sales still reign supreme to your point. I still think the jobs that will come back to our job or to your job or to other search firms will still be on the revenue generating side. So there's always gonna be need for really great revenue generators. I would say the most successful ones will moving forward will think and and execute more creatively, more strategically, right? They're gonna innovate more than a sign, you know, a sign in the in the outfield wall, a dasher board, a media spot for thirty seconds. I mean, it's, it's going to be more innovative, creative, um, more interactive, whatever words you want to use. And they're buzzwords. I get it, but it's going to be a sponsorship salesperson or or ticket sales or whatever type of sales person that thinks differently and can construct a deal differently. That's going to be the thing. I, now, could I see sponsorship and media and digital sales coming back first? I could see premium and hospitality coming back second, and then your t- traditional ticket sales, group sales, season sales coming back last. Um, and now when they do come back, by the way, I don't think those departments are going to come back and look the same, they should look differently. Um, they, they they should be more strategic, more analytically uh, driven sellers and probably not a hundred person sales staffs, by the way, not, you know, yeah. we're going to have this boiler room. Well, what are they selling? You know, A, by the way, is the boiler room of a hundred people selling? Does that, does that fit in with our- Even feasible, listings? right? Yeah. So, yeah, so that might not be doable. Um, but but you said something when you were talking about that number, and those numbers are astronomical that you guys have, but you made a comment. I think it, it rings true. There are other sales jobs that have nothing to do with what I just mentioned, sponsorship and ticket sales, that I think there are going to still be sponsorship. There, there could be sales jobs that tie into other things, right? So other products. And I think about uh, facility hygiene or cleanliness or purification, whatever that is, um, you're going to need people to sell those, but you're going to need people to work for Clear, right? And, yeah. And Clears products and, and do business development for, um, or you know, organizations that want to use, um, you know, again, cat, we'll talk about cashless maybe later in the conversation, etc. But what are we doing to have people that can drive revenue that have nothing to do with sponsorship and ticket sales? It's going to be for products that address post-pandemic life. That, that. It's really
0: interesting. I, I think it's one of the most fascinating parts because obviously in our audience, we deal with a lot of younger people trying to figure out their fit in the industry and guys like you and me who go talk in colleges all across the country, we give the advice a lot. And I've never had a sales background, but we give yeah. the advice a lot that at least I do. and I think you do as well is yeah. that the opportunities are in sales and getting in with a ticket team and getting in on inside sales is a great way to start. And now that doesn't really exist. It's almost yeah. like we all have to change our thinking. And I think it's this constant, you know, pushing pull of trying to figure out like, where is that area going to be for the young people that really is comprising most of the industry?
1: Yeah. You know, it's a tough and you're right. I mean, that's the old age old thing, right? If you're not going to work your way through an internship, you're going to work your way up through a ticket sale. That's your entry point in this sport, right? That was always the you know tried and true method. And, you know, I think it's important for people to follow again, you're right. What's hot, what's up and coming. And I know some of these are very apparent. Maybe other ones are not talked about enough about what had success, you know, last year or what may have success moving forward into the coming years. Um, listen. Everybody likes esports, gaming, sports, gambling, sports betting. Um, you know what's what's succeeding? The drone racing league had success last year, right? Um, I talked about sports nonprofits doing well. Um, you know, but venue security, venue safety, um, health, and fan and guest service roles. Um, I joked there was an NFL team early on in the pandemic. And when we're talking about having a, a cleanliness or hygiene person, you know they they didn't post it at a C level. It wasn't at a VP level. Didn't pay a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars. That NFL team posted that job as an entry level. You know we we reached out to them. We tried to pitch it as hey we can help you do the search, and they yeah. said listen, this is an entry level job paying probably thirty or forty grand. But that's my point. I guess you know they until they figure that out, that's a job that may exist. Um, I you you and I can talk about this because it applies directly to your business, but also your background and what you're really strong at, Brian, that content jobs and digital jobs are crushing it. They, they, you know, so barstool, the athletic, um, yeah. but, but I, I spoke with a class the other day. You talked about your, you do the world tour, right? So when you, <laughs> when you, when you, when you speak with classes, you get these professors and, and students that ask phenomenal questions and now it makes me pause sometimes. And I say, the most non-traditional areas people don't think about is recreation and fitness. I mean, you know what succeeded this year? Go work a Peloton. Try to get a job there. or Oh, my God, yeah. The watches that tell you about your symptoms. They monitor your health. Um, you know, I, but home fitness equipment's done really well. You know what else has worked this year? Tennis and golf. Tennis crushing it. Uh, golf, golf clubs, golf merchandise. Um, so sports that, all right, they're not in the big four. Uh, they're not at the Sexy Power Five football conference, but... There's industries that are hiring and will thrive and actually have done well during, and, and I had people apologize, people in the eSports, friends of mine in eSports, they almost were apologetic. I said, why are you, I mean, you you and your industry provided a product and service during a time. You didn't jack up prices, you know, in an immoral yeah. legal way. Good for you for succeeding during a downturn. And and I'm, I'm glad Peloton's crushing it. I'm, I'm hopeful that Barstool does well and DraftKings and all the, you know, I'm glad organizations can thrive during a tough time. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm glad
0: Peloton's crushing it too, because I bought their <laughs> stock, I bought their stock back last year at this time. I seriously did. I, I'm, a, I'm a big, like, I know I'm already going off topic, but like, I'm a big uh, human behavior guy when yeah. it comes to investing or anything of that nature too. And to me, it just made so much sense. It's like, everybody's yeah. going to be home. They're going to be looking yeah. for something like this. Their so sales are going to go through the number, uh, through the roof. And I'm And I'm yeah. sure that's how a lot of people should be approaching... Their job prospects too is to say like okay what is in demand well, sex, right now yeah, yeah. and and when we saw and we and to, to your point when you see the sales jobs start to come down something else tends to go up and in for us yeah. we saw like you said creative creative jobs you know content creation and we saw um, big data jobs going up a lot you know you saw yeah. big big demand for like you said esports but also on the tech side on the business analyst totally. side on the on the big data you know like the, the crunching the numbers and looking for revenue pockets and yeah. how to save more money and then also on the player side an- analysis I had um, I had a guest on who was talking about on the player side you know so often you can't get the attention of coaches with yep. your data so now that they didn't have any games they were all clamoring for more information how do we improve you know so there's so yep. many different uh, uh, things that popped up and, and improved in this process and again everybody's been hurt by it I'm not trying to minimize any of that but it's yep. like you have to be creative and looking for where those opportunities may be and I love your advice on the nonprofits as
1: well of course yeah over, often overlooked.
0: Yeah, it's so true. Um, okay. I've spoken to a lot of people in HR over the last month and asked about the trends that they've seen emerging in, in hiring and in their techniques and their processes during, throughout the pandemic. Every single one of them said, video interviews are here to stay. The convenience of it, the quality of it, which I didn't even think of. It was so interesting to hear them saying, this allows us to give to remove bias you know we can ask these questions and have it be prompted and they're responding and everybody gets the exact same experience i love that kind of conversation in here but what else have you noticed are there other trends in hiring or recruiting that have emerged during the t- pandemic that our audience should be preparing for or at least aware of and it may change the way we operate moving forward
1: yeah i'll jump into the uh the video interviewing and, and interviewing in general in a second because i think there's that's a big part of what i like to tell you as my answer there but there's another Thought to that is in in how there's there's so many candidates out there, right? And there, there there's um, I know platforms like LinkedIn, your site, others have adjusted in terms of how candidates can identify themselves, raise their hand. I'm an active job seeker. I'm ready to work. I'm I'm a free agent. Come find me. Come hire me. What I tell you that the good candidates are doing right now is being better at how they put a profile together on a site like yours or LinkedIn or on our web on, on our job board, right? Where they're actually using the best and most appropriate keywords and buzzwords. They're filling in the forms about the criteria that they, you know, the years. Those are more important now than they ever were before, because now I have I now I now I don't have 25 candidates applying for a senior level job. I have 125, so I'm gonna I'm frankly gonna rule you out based on keywords, buzzwords, phrases, your language skills, whatever. I'm gonna do more of that than I ever did before, which makes me sound like I was a terrible recruiter before. But it was a different approach because I could be more during non-pandemic times. I could be more of a proactive recruiter, and I still am very much that. I'm aggressive, proactive outreach to people, whether they're active or passive. But if they're coming to me, I bet it better be easy for me to kind of filter and, and, and kind of search through. Um, so that's part one. But if I can chime in on the video interview, we think for do, a second, yeah. So so here's the, here's the. So so we did. I, I think we filled we filled roughly 10 or 15 searches during the pandemic and none had in-person interviews. Right. So so I agree with you, all the people that you've spoken with, all the HR people. Interviews may change. Um, for maybe not forever, but I'll, I'll, they're going to be altered. But I, I honestly ask a question back to you, and, and maybe it's rhetorical. Do you think the Cowboys or the Lakers or the Yankees are going to hire a VP or a president or, or a chief marketing officer that we won't eventually want to meet in person? Right. So there's kind of that. And again, that's a little bit rhetorical because I, I don't know the answer to it. I don't have, and I'm not yeah. sure of it either. But it's hard to believe both parties, um, you know, eventually wouldn't want to meet in person in a safe way. But but it's it's different than the handshake. Is the handshake firm? Is the eye contact great? It's, you know, listen, what are the in-person interactions like? Is there a fit? Do the personalities match? Um, You know, on the candidate side, right? Um, You know, we we want them to see the neighborhood, the schools, the real estate. We want to go out to lunch, grab a beer. Um, Listen, it's the dating phase of an interview, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Recruiting process is still critical. When you're dating, you know, eventually we have to move beyond. Do people still go on Match.com or whatever? <laughs> don't just, don't ask me that. Yeah, so, so I don't know that. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, whatever, no, whatever, those, whatever those websites are, eventually it has to. In theory, uh, less catfishing takes. But I mean, we do eventually want to meet people in person. And that same thing goes with yeah. the interview process. Um, now, you you actually bring up a great point, and we've we've talked a lot about this at Prodigy. That I think the the balancing act and the real benefit here is. I could see video interviews replacing phone interviews. I could see yeah. video interviews replacing multiple rounds of in-person interviews. Uh, so it's a big time saver. It's a big money saver. And in theory, I'd like to hope every search truly becomes a national search to a certain, you know, so we do give everybody kind of a fair chance rather than local candidates only, which, yeah. which we, you and I have always seen for many years. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I, and again, I used to really be against the virtual interview process because to me personal hiring's always been a very personal thing like you said about yankees all these big brands like they're not going to hire somebody for a really important role if they haven't met them and i agree with that and i've always felt like these virtual interviews were so impersonal and you get a prompt and you have to record yourself and you only get 45 seconds and it's like you're taking the entire culture dynamic out of it yeah. and then i i did get a little bit enlightened you know and i understood it a little bit better when it was explained to me that They're trying to remove, in a lot of cases, not only can they scale it easier, you can send an Mm -hmm. email out to somebody and say, hey, go do this. Um, They can take those clips and share them with somebody else within the department really easily to a hiring manager or whatever. And at the same time, they're removing that that bias of, you know, if you're in person with somebody, especially in those early phases, you may ask one person a follow-up you may like the way that one person does this, or you may, you may ask the question a little bit differently, you know, like you're totally taking that out of it. And it kind of, yeah. it kind of made me take a step back and say, all right, I see a value for this in the early phases, at least where you're starting to, to filter down your list some.
1: Yeah. I, and I, listen, and, and now, now what, it, what I think it comes down to is people like yourself, people like us, we need to be able to help coach and better train the, the candidate, the job seeker. Um, you put out a lot of best tips, best practices content that, that is surrounding preparing, you know, the entry level, the mid level, senior level about how to conduct certain things. And the video interview is something we don't always train people on, right? And it's it's as simple as where to look, right? You're looking at the eye of the camera. You're not looking at your notes somewhere else on the page. And it is about volume, backdrop, lighting. Video interviews can be so awkward, and I feel bad for candidates that struggle with. They can nail a phone interview, and they can really crush an in person interview. But if they're being interviewed and they get nervous, anxious, the camera throws them. I mean, it, it all. Needs to become. Now, again, we've been, we're 11 months into looking at this, the camera and doing Zooms and team. I hope people are getting better at it because we've heard, we've heard candidates just, our client will come to us and say, man, they really bombed that. And we're like, boy, we've met them in person. They're polished. They're buttoned up. They can crush a phone interview, but they just get on a on camera interview and they don't know where to look. They don't know how to, you know, the hand motions,
0: you name it. They, it's
1: tough. There's a learning curve.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I know, like, I mean, like you said, we've done this a lot. We, You and I have been speaking this way for a long time. So you get kind of used to it after a while, yeah. but I always, one of my big pet peeves is I'll go and talk to a college classroom and every, like 50% of the students will have light behind them instead of in front of them. So their no. face is completely dark and you can't see them. So you have no yeah. idea what they look like. There's no body language. There's no interaction that way. And I'm always like, get more light on your face. Step yeah. one, you know, like yeah. all these little techniques that just everybody's having to get accustomed to. So true. Okay. So let's talk about it from the, the um, candidate side for a little bit. As a recruiter, you're placing important people in important roles. But like you said, I mean, where you used to be targeting twenty-five people to kind of start your field with, now it may be 125 people that are interested in that. How do people stand out to you? Like how do you how do they get noticed and how do they start to fit in with, you know, what you're looking for at Prodigy Search? What, 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 how does that process kind of work?
1: Boy, I'm about to give you a big head here. I love talking to storytellers. I mean, I, I honestly, when I interview candidates uh, at any level, you know, whether we're hiring an intern at Prodigy, whether we're placing an executive, whatever the level and where wherever that may be, I want somebody, you know, again, this is kind of interviewing one-on-one, but I need, I need candidates to convey their story to me. They have to share examples. They have to share results. They have to share a thought process. I think, which which again, sometimes is missed. Right when there's when there's a problem and action and result, people will tell you the problem. They'll tell you the result. But that meat, that middle part. Well, here's how I got to that. You know, solution uh, and the thinking in the middle there. I, I think that's huge. Right when I review a resume or look at LinkedIn or conduct an interview, it should be all those. Right. It, it shouldn't be a riddle. I should have solved a riddle. It shouldn't be me trying to do a Rubik's cube or pulling teeth to get a problem and action and a result about any part of that person's career, right? It, it's frankly, it should be a little bit easier that. Cause I think at a certain point, I, I think about it this way, right? At a certain point in the search process, whether it's an intern, like listen, when we, when we hire an intern or entry level, or we're placing a senior level executive, You've gone through two or three different rounds of interviews and we're kind of at the now we're at the final stages here. It becomes less about the skill set and the experience because the finalists all have something very similar, more or less, um, on paper. You know, then it becomes about the personality, the vision. It's about those certain things that are, you know, they're not they're hard to quantify sometimes. So I do need to hear stories. I need to hear stories, I need to kind of see again a a line of thinking, a strategy behind it, rather than just great resume says you have 10 years. I'm looking for for somebody that's got 10 years, you're hired. Like there's gotta be another kind of step. Mm -hmm.
0: It's so true. I try to tell this to college students all the time too. It's like, if you're getting an interview, whether it's, you know, second interview, first interview, third interview or whatever, they kind of know at that point whether you have the skill set, right? They've kind of determined that part because they, you wouldn't have gotten that initial call or that initial interest if you didn't have some of the skills they were looking for to do the job. Now they're trying to figure out who you are. So make sure they know who you are Absolutely. in that process. Let that, let that personality come through. Let that charisma come through. It's, it's so important. Um, all right, let's get into the research study, because the Prodigy mm-hmm. Search, I, I love this. I, I'm a da- I can be a data geek at times. I have no idea how to do it or comprise it or anything like that, but I, I've been staring at box scores all my life. This is like looking at a really cool box score, you know, like getting all the data points. Um, so let's get into this. Uh, it, the, the survey is super informative. It really t- touched on so many parts that I think are interesting right now that we need to get answers to. What made you guys and the team at Prodigy Search decide to take on a project like this?
1: You know, we, um, we, we've we been discussing trying to get a pulse from the industry um, about 2020 and then looking forward to 2021, right? So let's get a pulse on where things stand. Most of what we had heard and what we hypothesized for, for 2021 or what we were looking back in review, were kind of analyzing 2020 was all anecdotal, right? It was phone calls, it was Zooms, it was Microsoft Teams, maybe emails or text messages with friends and placements and clients. But there was, again, to your point, there, there wasn't data, it was all just, it was words, it was stories. People were just kind of telling us individually, we weren't getting, and I again, I love anecdotal, right? I, I think there's, mm-hmm. the examples are, are, are critical, especially when you're trying to learn from the past and you want to prepare for what's ahead this year, but what was missing was canvassing the entire, not the entire industry. We didn't ask everybody and I can certainly tell you why we did that, right? But it was getting data. It was taking a deeper dive, but then it was sharing that industry, you know, that that, that data back out to the industry and saying, hey, by the way, here's what we learned, take it and do something with us. And, and because if we if we look at the trends from the data, we can learn from each other. Uh, maybe we can rebuild at the same time, right? We're, I think what 2020 has taught many of the teams, leagues and agencies, college pro and minor league, you know, this is less about competition now. Now it's about survival and now and then now it's also about rebuilding together. So take the data. And again, it's not, we're, we're not the best, we're not a data company, but we asked a lot of questions that were, I think we, we asked a lot of opinions to make sure that the questions were fair and honest and they weren't, we weren't leading them. Um, but I, I think we wanted to get it to the top HR people. If we didn't have a top HR recruiting or talent acquisition person, we went to a ch- chief administrative officer. Um, and we wanted to get enough, of, enough of, a, of a sample size to say, you know, we see some trends here. Some are very good. Some are eye-opening. Some are, again, staggering and hard to digest. But the numbers did show us overall there's going to be a rebound. There's going to be a recovery. And in some areas, right, and, and you and I can talk about yeah. where there might Areas and where they might be a struggle in, in other places, but uh, it was it was necessary to do. And I think um, you know when we shared it with the Sports Business Journal, what we wanted them to do was also listen. We reached, we told them to reach out to some organizations that you know state didn't didn't furlough or layoff people. Uh, maybe they've done a lot of the right things. Uh, they they wrote the sidebar story was on the National Predators, but there's others, right? The UFC is one of those. Dana White didn't make any layoffs or furlough. I mean, there's certain organizations out there that didn't make these drastic changes. And those stories aren't out there as much because, listen, those are feel good stories. It's easy to say, oh man, decimated unemployment numbers, you know, but you know, it's fun telling, it's fun telling positive stories too when the data supports it, so.
0: Yeah, and again, I think you guys nailed it with the questions and the way the setup was. Um, So 23 question survey conducted recently. So you guys conducted it between January 5th and January 16th of 2021. So this is all very timely. It's not telling uh, just a past story, it's connected to now. Uh, And like you said, 200 major league teams, league offices, agencies, venue and event operators really digging into how their respective organizations had handled staff during the past year and what some of their plans are for the future. I have a lot of parts from looking through it that stood out to me. What stood out to you or surprised you the most? So there were, there were two things in particular. One was one was surprising,
1: and one was kind of the eye opening on a positive side, right? Happy, exciting, made me the, all the good feelings that I would want to see when I see data like this. The surprising was the number of teams, leagues, and, and venues and agencies that said we're going to stay hybrid or full time work from home. Just I was blown away by that. More surprised, not negative, just surprised by it. The one that was uplifting was that companies plan on bringing people back, whether it be the furloughed employees or filling vacancies at some point in the first two quarters of this year. Now some of that might spill into the third quarter of this year, but again surprising would be the work from home data and the uplifting and happy kind of feel good thoughts were that we're going to bring people back. We're going to do some rehiring at some point in the first six or you know perhaps 9 months of this year.
0: Yeah, that is, it's like you're looking for reasons to feel optimistic, and when those people are saying like, no, we have a plan in place, we, we, we are going to bring a lot of people back and this is going to start to happen, it gives you kind of the, that deep sigh where you're like, oh, okay, good, because <laughs> that's what I'm hoping for. I'll tell you, one of the most surprising things to me looking through this was that 88% of the respondents felt productivity either stayed the same or increased in 2020. And I think that is a huge testament to those of us in the sports industry. And and maybe this is where I get a little too sunshine and unicorns, but 55% of companies said that they had reduced staff salaries. Tons of people are getting laid off or furloughed. The pandemic's going all around us. Kids are at home. We're all scared shitless. And yet we're still grinding it out and at an incredibly productive rate. Like That was to me amazing, Like that we are able to acknowledge work from home, all those things. People were still super ultra productive in the sports industry.
1: It's amazing, right? And and that was a I, and some people maybe it's a little bit of a blue collar. All right, let's let's go to work. You know, we got we got to pick up. We lost people, um, you know, by staffing or you know, hey, I you know, listen. A lot of people had that salary reduction conversation. It's not an easy one, but still to do the job, right? And and still to kind of push through. I feel like our team. I'll use our our team. I think our team was actually this was as if not more productive during the last twelve months. And I I'm not saying that because they'll listen to this and they'll be like, hey Mark, thanks. Uh, I, really, <laughs> I really do. I really do think we stay, we stayed busy, but a good busy. It wasn't just hey they, we did busy work. Like I, I remember those days where you do busy work. Like great, I filled that Excel sheet out, or right? I got that expense report done. I mean, we actually were productive, busy, and. Listen, some of us have crazy hours, you know, three, three quarters of our staff has, you know, either, either, you know, extended family members living with them or kids or they were trying to mm-hmm. the work from home and virtual schooling thing. So, you know what? I wasn't commuting an hour in or an hour home. So I was using that hour in hour home to my advantage. Um, but if I needed a half hour to take care of something with my older son and his school, that's fine. But I also had two hours built in where I would know I was being more productive. Um, and I, I think the video and, and using Slack and video chatting makes things, OK, more I don't, again, I love going to the, the, what, Do people still go to the water cooler, I guess, uh, or <laughs> go to a conference room for a half hour meeting. I could also Slack somebody, get a quick answer on Slack, or I can do a quick, you know, a zoom call with somebody 15 minutes instead of let's go out and do a 45 minute lunch. Right. So I was kind of being productive on a number of different fronts. And I think our staff was the same.
0: Yeah. I think I, something I gleaned from it too, is I think that in the last year, all of us activated parts of our mind that were a little different too. And this is where I'm getting probably a little touchy feely here, but they, like, like you get into a routine in your job, right? You know what you have to do, you know the tasks are ahead of you, you execute them really well. Well, when this started to happen, we all had to innovate. We all had to think, like you said, we're, 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 we're thinking to ourselves, where can we go to find business? What can we do to help? How can we create more things to be beneficial to everybody? We're engaging parts of our mind and, and, and innovating and creating and kind of come up with solutions. And I think that motivated a lot of us. Like I know for us at Work in Sports, we sat back and thought, what else can we do? And that's kind of fun too. So I, I think that probably contributes somewhat to productivity being high, is that Absolutely. everybody had an attitude of helping.
1: Absolutely. I love it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the work from home debate's a big one. And I'm a guy that's worked at home for a long time. I'm in my basement right now. I hear my kids running around upstairs. I do love it. I've become very used to it. As we were talking before we went on air, um, I'm getting used to a hermit lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. I, can, I can kind of I can kind of handle this. Uh, I loved being in a newsroom. I loved being around lots of people and the action and the urgency, but this ain't so bad either. Yeah. Um it feels like to me that 2020 was a bit proof of concept, right? Like yeah. everybody had thought for a long time, like, I don't know, we can't have a work from home environment. We're sports, yeah. but then 2020 kind of proved it. It's like, we're still productive. It can work. From your survey and from your conversation with the executives, do you think the sports industry where it can adopts some flexible work from home type environments? Or is that just a sign of the times right now and we'll go back to normal in a little bit?
1: I do. I know. I, I do think. I do think the, the industry will adapt on that front. Listen, everybody's talking about work from home, and, and the old joke is that this meeting could have been an email. Now it's. I think this Zoom meeting could have been an email or a regular phone call. Maybe you don't need to do a Zoom meeting every time. It could be a regular. You know, you have to dial the ten digits and. You know, pick up the phone, um, but but I think everyone is proving how how well they can work from home. Um, I I guess I'm a mix of old school, and new school, so I do see both sides of the spectrum there. Do I? I also don't think it's easy working from home five days a week, fifty-two weeks a year. I do think there are challenges with that, um, and I'm not saying easy as in. Um, again, the routine. To your point, uh, move, not going to the kitchen every, uh, you know, every every a few minutes. Um, you know, they're not dressing. You know, not wearing pajama bottoms with a button up shirt. And you know, look, <laughs> um, not that I'm doing, not that I'm dressed that way right now. But I was, was going to say people, that's exactly no, what that's I'm doing in yeah, a second. <laughs> but I think people, I think people do miss their coworkers. I do think people miss the environment. And I actually had somebody tell me, I couldn't believe this. They miss, they do miss their commute in and home. Right, it's a time to decompress, listen to music, listen to you know sports radio, um, make a phone call. I mean, listen, I use my, I usually sometimes use my phone. Call, I'll call my brother, call my parents. Uh, I'll make work phone calls in the car ride as well. Um, so I think people do miss some things like that. Um, you know, and listen, technology has allowed us to, to be much better at working from home. If, we, if you would have said 10 or 20 years ago, like, no, i slow internet speeds. I mean, go down a list of all the, things, the reasons that that may not have worked perfectly. Um, but I do, goes to your point. It will help tremendously in work-life balance and mental stability for people, right? If you if you give them that flexibility, a you're going to recruit and be able to retain better people. Um, but also, just from a sanity perspective, and I don't use that word lightly, but from a sanity perspective, you know, this past year has kicked a lot of people's asses. But if if you're giving them, listen, you take my commute away. Guess what? That's less stress for me. You know, it's snowing outside right now. If I don't have to deal with the weather to get into the office, and I got my laptop, and my cell phone, and I can work from home today. Um, Believe me, that's helping from a sanity perspective. So there's a lot of things, I think, to your point, you're absolutely spot on.
0: Uh, We were joking with our kids, like, um, you know, I used to, when I was waking up, when I was in high school or middle school or whatever, and it was snowing out, you'd watch the TV and see if the ticker, or you'd listen to AM radio and you'd hear if like your school was canceled. You had to wait for like the yeah. entire list to go by. And we were joking, like, are, school day, are snow days a thing of the past now since they can just work virtually? Like, they've trained yes. them all to say, like, you're just on the computer today. And yeah, it's like, they are going to miss out on that. Oh, uh, what a disaster. I know. Was a
1: mess. Good thing I'm not in school uh, right now.
0: <laughs> I know, right? Oh, so fun. Okay. Um, were you surprised? Because this surprised me a little bit. Were you surprised at all by how many questions? I think it was five. Where the dominant response mm-hmm. was unsure. Right? Mm-hmm. You give four options, and the dominant leading response was unsure. It seems like many decision makers still don't know what the heck to expect in 2021, and are taking it day, day, day by day more than ever before. Is that how you interpreted that? So it's it's.
1: I, I want every answer to be not unsure, or NA, like the, the least amount of right. NA's are unsure, the better. I would have been a happy person. Um, and we made it confidential for, for many reasons, but we made it confidential for that reason. Like Be honest, be transparent, tell us how you really feel about the situation, past and present, uh, and future looking ahead. Um, so absolutely, I'm surprised by the unsure. Now, again, I think you bring up a great point, you know, are we, are we in a, we don't want to mess up mentality? Is that is that what it is? Like these organizations being overly cautious, overly conservative. We don't want to make a misstep. Um, or an uncalculated kind of risk attitude like that. That I get it. I understand it. Um, the problem I do think will will occur is if we're unsure for too long. Well, the ones that are ready to t- to take a shot, like again, that's hiring. That's whatever. That's um, I spoke with an executive the other day. Uh, he, he's uh, in the NBA. He's a senior ticketing person, and he said we're the fine line we're on right now is when do we put out our new prices for the next season? When do we send out that one email uh, marketing campaign uh, that we're putting tickets on sale for a limited number of fans? He's like, we're fine. that fine line. And, and the conversation he and I had was, was what you're saying is, but if you wait too long, then somebody else is going to jump in ahead of you and do it, right? And it's not always about being first. It's kind of like your prior world in news and reporting and journalism. First doesn't always mean right. Now, again, mm-hmm. the pandemic also can force us to be more proactive and innovative. So I, th- I wish those unsures were more like definitive and but cautiously optimistic that way rather than, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, it boggles my mind. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. It is. So, it's hard to see. And yeah. it's hard to see and, and think like, you know, the decision makers have to be making decisions. Yeah. And like you said earlier, if, if, if for our industry, and I heard somebody say this to me, I think it might have been Callie Franklin from NYCFC. She said, "If if we're not hiring, we're not growing and mm-hmm. we're not improving and we're not doing those things. So you'd like to see more industry people willing to say, like, yeah. We need to open yeah. this back up again. This needs to happen soon. Absolutely. Uh, so outside of the pandemic, one of the other huge topics in 2020 was diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, something I think you and I are both very passionate about. It saddened me a little bit that 67% of the respondents to your survey at Prodigy Search said they did not have a senior DEI person on staff and that they didn't have plans to hire one. Is that a big miss in your view? Yeah, huge mess.
1: It really, it really is. And now, now that said, I could look at the, at that team or league or agency X, Y, or Z. They don't want to rush it and get it wrong during the pandemic. And I'll give them credit for that, right? You don't want to um, either not give that person or that department the right resources, the money, the staffing, et cetera. So do you make do you make the wrong decision, right, and not hiring or hiring during a pandemic, but putting somebody, setting someone up for failure? Um, maybe that that's crossed my mind. Um, or, I'll, and I'll say this because this has come up in some conversations on our recent searches uh, in the DNI space, not being too reactionary from 2020 and the events that unfolded last summer and making a hire like this just because, like it looks good a PR perspective. So we're going to post that job or we're going to hire that position or we're going to go to a search firm to recruit for D and I search. Um, And and then it looks good. It's just optics, right? We can put the black square on Instagram. We can say we hired somebody, but by the way, they're not a decision maker. They can't influence, change our organization, but we we made the hire. So pat ourselves on the back, we walk away. So I kind of took that question going, all right, people just kind of, they're picking and choosing their map. Now again, huge mess. I'm not not apologizing for anybody. It's a huge mess doesn't deserve, yeah. I'm not giving, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not pushing it to the side. Um, if you're, I would say this though, if you're not going to hire, this is kind of off, I'm going off on a tangent here. If you're not going to hire a senior D, E and I position, like a singular position or build out a D, e, and I department, I actually think many people would see as a win moving forward um, and a big time victory, hiring more VPs, SVPs, and C-level people that are females or ethnically racially diverse, right? So it doesn't always need to be a, a chief diversity officer job or a VP of D and I. Let's let's just actually do a better job on sales, marketing, finance, HR, legal, etc. Like, I think that's that I'd see as another win if we could have that win in 2021.
0: Yeah, I hope it becomes a greater focus and becomes the norm rather than the exception. And that is just something that we start to understand. I mean, I've said this many times on this show is that, you know, I've been in the industry for 25 years. And yet it seems like so many people perceive diversity and inclusion being something that's kind of. Always been around. It really isn't. Like, this is like a five last five years kind of conversation and phenomenon for a good thing. Like, it's like this is a good trend. This is something we need to invest more in. This is something we need to be talking about more. And, it, and, I, and I hope that it continues to grow and improve in the future and that we get better at absolutely. it. But, like you said, real, the real action comes from the actual hiring process, right? And the actual inclusion process across all the different departments, not just absolutely. a singular department. Yeah, absolutely. So let's finish up with this. Uh, you and I talk to a lot of college students. You try to set them up. We try to set them up for success in the sports industry. That's our bread and butter is talking to young people trying to get into the industry. That's something I focus on a lot. It's something that you I've obviously contributed to a lot as well. As the world has shifted, what advice would you give young people right now to set them up for success in new reality in this new reality? Is there anything that jumps out to you that's like, this is more important than ever for young people that try to get into the industry?
1: It's uh, it's a question that came up in a recent, in a phrase differently, but a question came up in a couple of recent colleges that I, I did uh, virtual uh, video calls with. And, and and actually a student asked this, so I give the student credit. It wasn't a professor, but they, they reframed your question. I'll answer your question, but they actually said, I'm nervous because when jobs do come back post-pandemic or during our recovery here in the next few months or year or so, um, that all those executives and mid-level people that were laid off or furloughed, they're going to get hired back first before us entry-level people. And there's many different ways that I dissect that. And I said, listen, there's, that's probably fair, and that's probably true, and that's a possibility. Mm-hmm. The other way is looking at it is we got to focus on your strengths and the things that make you better and, and or, or hireable. Um, and by the way, let's not sugarcoat this, the one area is that also as an actual person, you're going to be more affordable. So can I go hire two coordinators rather than one director? Yes, I could do this. So there's, there's different ways to skin a cat on that answer. But the answer uh, that I also gave was, listen, go where the jobs are literally and figuratively. Now, even though we are remote, um, and we are virtual for now, people will start to return to some sort of office, but go where, again, literally and figuratively, go where the jobs are, sectors that are thriving, work your way back into a team, right? If you, don't, if you want to work for the Yankees or the Eagles or whomever, well, go go to a different organization right now that is hiring and is doing well, and weave your back into, way back into it. You don't need your dream, and you probably have said this a million times in different ways, you don't need your dream job at 22. I didn't have my dream job at 22, surprise, right? I mean, so so go where the sports jobs are right now, but again, geographically to the extent you can do so, uh, to the extent you and your family feel comfortable doing so, right? As a student, I know there's, there's some geographical limitations there, but I here's my other answer to that, and I, this is what I told the students in the classroom the other day. I'm going to phrase it differently, perhaps, but prove that you can do more than one job, like that your skill set is broad. In other words, you know, Brian, you you would pitch me that you can do if you were a college intern in the workforce, you could you could do social digital content, you could be a writer, mm. you could run podcasts, and you can do you can you, you have create you have a creative mindset. Well. That's better than the one person, the one trick pony that can only do one job because you know what's going to happen right now. I need I need one person that could do the job of two or three people like right now. Like that goes on a prodigy. Like we have we have a staff of five. We were a staff of 10 pre pandemic. So, you know what? I'm helping once in a while with social. I'm helping once in a while with crafting the HR survey. I'm not just recruiting 40 hours a week. Like surprise, surprise. I'm not. So as an entry level person, prove that you're nimble and can adjust and do more
0: than one job. I love that answer, and I know when I first started out in the industry, that was one of the things that CNN said to us all the time, was the more versatile you are, the faster you'll grow. That was just like their mantra, mantra all the time. There is, It's never been more, more necessary than right now. The more you can do, the more you can bring to the table, the more those skills that you develop that can be beneficial to an organization the better off you will be. Mark, that Absolutely. is awesome, awesome advice. Thank you so much Absolutely. for joining me today. The research paper I will link to in our in uh, the show notes for this show. I'll make sure we can post it as, as often as many places as we can because it's incredible information. Prodigy Search is an amazing corporation. So thank you so much for coming on and telling us more about your business.
1: No, my pleasure. Thank you, Brian, for your friendship and, and for always being a great partner of ours. Really appreciate it.
0: As I mentioned in the intro, I think it's important to be a curious and continuous learner. And by having this conversation with Mark and really digging into this survey, I learned a lot. I explored some different perspectives. I thought differently about some concepts. And I think that's really important. And one of the things we try to bring forward in this podcast, we want to challenge you to think Not always just differently but just think we just want to challenge you to think about these things and to take on topics and to really get your own point of view around some of these subjects i really appreciate mark coming on mark's been a friend for a long time somebody i respect in the industry a lot uh, and somebody that i've been a part of many panels with and heard his experience before and i knew you guys would really enjoy hearing from him. So thanks to him for coming on. Please, if you are in, in, in enjoying what we create as content, we've got over 350 episodes now of this podcast. So many great people that we've interviewed. Please subscribe. Please tell some other friends out there that you think can benefit from this content. Rate, review, all that sort of good stuff. I feel like it's important. Maybe it's not, but it feels good. So get out there. More importantly, subscribe, continue to listen and share where you can. Thank you for listening, everybody. Thanks to Mark for coming on the show and I will talk to you all soon.